The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My so, gosh. My voice is showing it now. I don't know what it was, but two days of drinking Woodford, I feel like my voice is more distinguished. You sound now. aged right? and distinguished. Like, what's wrong right, with you? right. What happened to me? <laughs> Whoa. Well, if you think his voice sounds distinguished, yeah. then you need to see this guy now <laughs> because he matched that brown, raspy tone of his voice with yeah. a beautiful brown tan from Turks and Caicos now. So now he does really look like he might be the most interesting man in the world. Ahmed Farid, Chris Sims on Button, yeah. Week 11 podcast recap. What's up, man? How are you? Good. I I do look uh, I look like I'm almost embarrassed oh. or something. I'm so red and like dark. You're and not red or anything. You, you, pants, you didn't maybe. look like you were about to say that. I thought you were about to go look at yourself and go, I do look handsome. <laughs> I do. Look yeah. Different. All right. Well, you're wearing your red today. I'm wearing okay. the red today. Way to go. I'm back from vacation. Right. I thought today would be a blue day. I thought you'd wear the blue pants today. I did that last time. The I Lions was with you. won yesterday. Oh, that's I thought true, you might though. break that out. You know, yeah. I just was figuring we we're going to see that. I wasn't going to bring that up, though. Yeah. I know it's still kind of a, yeah. a sore subject. Yeah. For we'll you. get to it later. Hold on. Don't jump the. <laughs> don't jump our agenda here. You don't want to talk about it more than you have. No, to. I don't. I definitely don't. What? Uh, but I do want to talk about Turks and Caicos. Oh, so what's it was, up? It was great. Good I time. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. It's a, yeah. it's a, it was our biggest trip. Me and my wife right. went. We left the kids at home. We just ditched them with my parents. We're just like I didn't know that. That's you, awesome. You, so you no had a kids. real vacation. Real vacation. It was like bottles five, of wood for it every night. Oh my gosh, you can still hear it in my voice here. <laughs> uh, no, it was awesome. I'd never been before. It's like yep. the biggest trip me and my wife have taken since our honeymoon. Turks and Caicos is the amazing thing about it yeah. is the low temperature is 80 degrees, at least when we were there. Right. And the high temperature is 83. Yeah. It stays when there's one I know, band right? the whole time. And so it's always perfect. Yep. If you're in the sun, it's not that bad because you got the ocean breeze. The wind the is always water. pretty good oh. there, right? Yeah, I've been there before, too. It is. It's comfortable that way. I'm almost getting depressed talking about it. Yeah, it's I sad. You there. shed a tear. You had to fight them back. Well, there are some leaving. vacations where you leave and you're like, ah, oh, that's about enough time. Yeah. It's good to get back, yeah. back to work. You know, For that one, that was not the case. That was not one of them. I was like, I am literally depressed right. leaving this place. We so. do like we did Woodford at night. At night, what did we do? Oh, yeah. Rum or, Punch is the big Rum Punches, is that what you're doing? That's yeah. what I'm going to say. You're more in the island feel. And I've got a Fitbit, too, and I saw I've been tracking my resting heart rate, which right. has usually been pretty good. It's like yeah. in the low 50s. Right. I spent a week drinking. It like ballooned it, up into like 60, um, 70. I'm sure. Last I heard, drinking's not good for <laughs> you. Okay. Great. That's that's, that's what I've heard out there. Not great. But it was awesome. It was cool. And I got back the first day and immediately was thrust back 
into your arms. I mean, arms. they put you right back to work. <laughs> that wasn't totally planned. There were a few sicknesses out there, but then I was with you doing the Peacock Show late at night. It was awesome. Night. It was. It, it was, was great to, to have you. All right, so you done now? Are we done with horses and fucking vacations and everything else in the yes. world? Are you going to put your focus back on me? You know what? That's actually true. Most. That's actually true. It's right. like basically this podcast and a couple NBC updates. You might see me pop up on your TV on the weekend during right. a golf tournament. All right. But that's about it. Okay, so your focus is on me. Focus is on you. Okay, good. I like that. I like to hear that. Is your focus on me? You complete me. And this podcast. You complete me. Uh, We got to talk about week 11 because that's what we do. If we didn't do that, it'd be weird. Yeah, this is a football podcast. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, And week 11 was kind of a weird week again. Uh, there were some results that made sense, some results that were maybe closer than we had anticipated. No marquee crazy game like we've had maybe the last few weeks. I mean, there's been, there were some good ones, some close ones, but maybe not as crazy of a Sunday as we've seen you know, as of late with you know, the Bills-Vikings games and some of these games that have right. had these unbelievable finishes. But still, always an entertaining Sunday and always shocks and surprises. I mean, who could have called some of these games? Certainly, I mean, uh, you know. Hey, Dallas, what they did to Minnesota, we'll dive into that. But, yep. uh, yeah, it was a good Sunday. So that is our promise to you, the homies. We will talk about every single game, every team that played. We'll give you the damn okay, the players that jumped out at us. Uh, give me the headlines. We'll give you the headlines on a couple of the Presented the by Hyundai. Presented by Hyundai. We'll get that sponsorship read in there. Um, but we start, and we don't always do this. Yeah. You know, we don't always. We like our game, yeah. our NBC game, but it's not always the best game. Yeah. We've been doing it a little more lately, though. Because the games have been good. They've been damn good. And I think yesterday, this was one of those games where it was down to the end. Great finish. I think this was the best game of the day, right? Best result, best finish of the day. I think so. Eagles was pretty good. Yeah. We'll the drama with- of this, the quarterbacks yes. playing. I agree with you. So let's start with that. On Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs came back and beat the Chargers when it looked like with about three minutes to go, or I guess it was right around two minutes to go, Justin Herbert was going to be the game-winning hero, bring your team back from a deficit quarterback. Uh, And all those fans in SoFi Stadium were booing because they were all Chiefs fans. (laughs) I know, it is. I do feel bad for the Chargers when it comes to that aspect, no doubt. But it was Patrick Mahomes who brought his team back, which should not be a surprise at this point. He's 13-7 and in his career when trailing at halftime, so no halftime deficit is a big deal. In fact, a deficit down in the final minute is not a big deal, too. Uh, That's what stood out to me the most. It was like, yes. It was like Justin Herbert, good for him. I was like, this was a good, even though they lost, it was like, you start to see some of the things that we saw before. Yeah, the right. dink and dunk was gone. Keenan Allen was, was big time plays. Definitely, but at the end of the day, it's Patrick Mahomes making those Patrick Mahomes plays that maybe no one else in football can make. Right no, now. no, I, he's he's on fire right now. He's playing awesome, and I, I think you know you've been hearing me say the last few weeks. I think he's playing as good as any year of his career. Is every bit as good as his MVP season, his second league in the NFL, his first as a starter. Uh, he's just special, and it's just. It, it's he's one of those guys that yeah when the Chargers score a touchdown with 146 left you just go damn well that's too much time like it it's gonna have to be something miraculous for you guys to win even though you just took the lead with four minutes and you're up by four points it's gonna take you something miraculous still <laughs> to win the football game it's like maybe they'll score fast enough to give you some time to right. come back and they or maybe did. he'll just throw one of those trick shots or be you know tied up and try to throw a 20 yard out route with four guys hanging on that's what that's what you're hoping for because like it's almost inevitable at this point and then really it's the the chiefs I mean Ahmed we were kind of waxing poetically at the end of the football game it's just like they thrive for those moments it seems like when they're like hey we're down 20. We're down 17. We're down a touchdown with a, like it's like they're almost like, "Hey, let's play football now." 
And I, it, it's hard not to root for them because of it. It, it is. It's, it's infectious. And just the way they battle. Again, they're the toughest, you know, passing team I've ever seen in the history of the league. They're not soft or finesse by any stretch of the imagination. Again, just the adjustments they make in the second half. You know, we were talking about that last night, right, Ahmed? I mean, first half, Chargers throwing the ball around a little bit. They're pushing the ball down the field. Second half, they can't do jack diddly shit on until the drive you're talking about. I mean, we got they were shut out mm-hmm. by that defense until really what I thought looked like offense pass interference on Keenan Allen on the big third and 18 throw. So, But th- that's where I just the, – the Chiefs are so amazing that way. And then even the adjustments at halftime – you know, that we, we also joked out because it's Andy Reid, and you know, there they are last week against the, the Jaguars, and you go, man, they ran the ball. This is great. And they start off the game last night, and they're running the ball, and you're like, man, this new Chiefs element, and then they forget about it. And you're like, what? You're running for 10 yards a carry, and you stopped running. And they come out in the second half, and it's like somebody grabbed Andy Reid and shook him and was like, here's a, here's a Mr. Goodbar. You know, get your hangry out. And we got to run the ball, Andy. And then he was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, we do. And they come out and run the ball. And they just they kind of control the whole second half, even though they dug themselves in a hole in the first half. And uh, they're just a tough, resilient team. And, and to your point, he's magical. He just, he's magical. He's 14-0 in his career now in road division games. That's he has insane. not lost a, a division insane. game on the road. Best by any quarterback since the 1970 merger. So he is awesome. And now he is the odds-on MVP favorite. Yeah. Minus 155. He's ahead of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Tua. All of them are actually tied at plus 600. And so it's Patrick's trophy to lose now at this point which is crazy we're week 11 here and it seems almost like a foregone conclusion I don't know what those other guys would have to do to catch him at this point I think Patrick would have to just fall on his face well yeah he'd probably have to have some games maybe like we're seeing from Josh Allen a little bit where he just does some dumb things and throws a few interceptions and all that but yeah I you know I I'm with you I think when you you know again argue the fact of no Tyree kill, the adjustment to that. And not even that. There were no Juju in this game. Exactly. No well, McCole Hardman. No, but that's that's what's amazing about them. It's just we, we don't even care. We kind of just just, you know, just go, well, well, we still expect him to make great throws and great plays and throw for three hundred yards. That's where he's gotten. That's why he's he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. But and I would agree with your assessment there that, you know, his He's definitely in the league for the the MVP voting, mm-hmm. you know. And the way Allen has played the last few weeks, Hurts hasn't, you know, done anything extraordinary. Tua's the stats are always going to be good with Tua. You know, again, I don't think he's in the class of this, but the stats are going to keep him in this. Um, but yeah, I, I would go with Mahomes there too. But then Chris Jones at the end of the football game, him making plays, Ahmed. The Chiefs are the just a battle tested, tough football team and uh they just I, I can't say enough positive things about them. Got a little bit of a running game. Isaiah Pacheco, the first Kansas City running back with one hundred or more rushing yards since week four of last season. Is that something that sticks? It sticks. It, it, I think it's gonna stick. I mean I thought it would have stuck a little earlier in the first half last night. Yeah. But I think that's why they like he's the starter now. You know, I, you know, like we talked, well, you weren't here last week, but last week we kind of, I, on Monday was kind of hitting on Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You were, yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice and tan. (laughs) But yeah, that was one of the things he does give them another element of toughness that we're talking about. And I think that's, it is real. He's a guy that, you know, defenses really legitimately have to worry about it. He's not a space runner. So that's where it's different too. They can call some plays and go, hey, let's just go between the tackles and he'll find the seam and he'll smash it in there. And even though it's a gain of three, maybe with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with Isaiah Pacheco and the way he runs, it's a gain of six. And there's a difference there. 
And then, you know, you couple that with Travis Kelsey and what he does in the past well, game. Yeah. And it's just uh, it got a special combination of a lot of things there. In well, Kansas that's the City. thing, too. As much as we compliment Patrick Mahomes, able to do it with whatever wide receivers out there, I don't think he'd probably be able to do the same thing without a guy like Travis Kelsey. Right. 115 yards in this game. Three touchdowns. Seems like when they needed a big play, he was getting that big play. And he was matched up with Derwin James. And that's not an easy task for, I mean, maybe it was for Travis Kelsey. But for most tight ends, no, that would not nothing. be an easy, easy yeah. task. I mean, we're getting to the point, and they asked Chris Jones about this. Rodney right, did about right. Travis Kelsey, and yeah. Chris Jones had a good answer. He was like, "You know, I don't want to disrespect anything. You know, Shannon Sharp back in the day, and Rob Gronkowski, but man, when you look at Travis Kelsey and what he's able to do, especially this year without those weapons around him, I mean, we're we're talking all time tight end here, aren't we? I, definitely, definitely. Uh, another, I would. I mean, like, like I said with Mahomes, his first ballot Hall of Famer. I think Chris Jones is the first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I mean, they got three of them on the team. But I, I think Kelsey, I think what's amazing about Kelsey is just that we're getting into a part of a career where you start to see guys usually start to slow down or go the wrong way. And he's played his best football the last two years. And I think it's, again, no, no disrespect to the Shannon Sharps of the world. Or I've never seen anything like this in the past game. Never. He's he's the best pass catching tight end I've ever seen in the history of football. You know, Gronk would be not far off of that for me. And of course, we know Gronk. It's just a different style of a tight end yeah. with his blocking and all that. But I think these are the two guys of the era. And you know, yeah, it, it, it's not only it's an amazing combination. One because yeah, they got an offensive coordinator and they know how to use him, and he's a great talent. But then when you couple that with Mahomes when he leaves the pocket or does anything that way, Kelsey just. He grew up playing football in the backyard. He's got great feel for like, oh, wait, he's running this way. I see this guy running this way. Let me stop and find the hole here. Oh, wait, this guy stopped and, you know, Mahomes stopped. Wait, I see a hole over here. Let me just kind of shuffle over there and get in the hole and he finds me. So that's where they're special too. It's like you stop them and okay, great, but then backyard football comes into play and you don't stop them. Um, It was the second time in three weeks too, I feel like as we were watching the game, They've, there was more man-to-man in the football game. Now, I think people have gotten to the point, and I don't disagree with this approach of what the Chargers did last night, that you just can't play, sit back, take away the big play defense. You know, we're seeing that. And, you know, I said to you at one point, which they did, ran at the end of the football game, the game-winning touchdown, I said, Kansas City, oddly enough, has got to get back to their man-to-man plays that you used to call early on in Mahomes's uh, career when teams were still not scared of the defense and we'll play the man and double this guy or whatever yeah. and they would cross you and pick you and get to some of those plays and I felt like they got to some of those plays at the end of the football game. Why didn't Derwin get his hands on Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I don't know. Touchdown I don't play? know. I, I I don't know. I'd like to watch that you know a little more close too. At, at times too, when you're in the red zone like that, right, and you know you are in a situation where it's man to man. The other thing that can that can play into maybe not wanting to be too aggressive is just like, well, if I do miss him at the line of scrimmage and he runs a seam route, I mean, it's, it's touchdown. Like It's going to be an easy pitch and catch. Right. So that would be the only thing I can think of. But, yeah, that was one of the few plays all night we saw, we saw him not get his hands on him. Addy M27 wants to give a shout-out to another maybe emerging star for the Chiefs. He says Patrick Mahomes is the biggest equalizer in the sport. But how about Nick Bolton? He's really in this top 10 linebacker conversation. He had a game-high 14 tackles in the game, had a forced fumble, and had that game-sealing interception. Yes. He, he, listen, he's a, 
He flies around. You I mean, like you liked him coming out of I, college. Yeah, I did. Oh, I, I mean, I I like I have a, can, a crush on Kansas City in the way they play because they have a bunch of guys that you know we've talked about with some other teams where they they just fly around and they bring it. They have no regard for their body. And Nick Bolton is is perfect that way. He is, and he was all over the field last night. He did some dumb things too. Had the late hit out of bounds on Justin Herbert oh, that we yeah. sat there. Yeah. Had the face mask in the end zone there where he held on the guy's face mask for like seven seconds. Um, but, yeah, uh, he, he is. He's, he's your modern-day NFL linebacker, a guy that's kind of a thumper in the run game but has great speed, sideline to sideline, the screens, pass coverage, all that. He's really good. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really good overall football team. It, you know, again, I, I know that the uh, Kansas City, to me, over the last three weeks, four weeks, they're the best team in football, in my opinion. I, I would take, if they played the Eagles tomorrow, I would take Kansas City to win that game. So we'll talk about the Eagles next, but I want to say that I don't think the Chargers are done. Yeah. They're 5-5 five and five right now. Yep. Probably not what they want to be. They have some injuries. Yes, they do. But, I mean, that was a game where they easily could have won, right, if Mahomes doesn't do the Mahomes magic. No they doubt. Were in a game, and they were in a game last week against the 49ers. Yeah. We think the 49ers could be around until the final Sunday of the year. A hundred percent. So uh, the Chargers, they're not done yet. No, they're not. I, there's a lot of positives about the Chargers. They they need to get those receivers healthy, and hopefully Mike Williams isn't out too long. Yeah. You know, again, for the second week in a row with the Chargers, we saw them come out, push the ball down the field, and for the second week in a row, we saw them not do anything in the second half of a football game. Now, again, I know that, you know, to your point, they played really good teams, and there's tough matchups. Now, I, I wouldn't be – I picked the 49ers and the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl, so I wouldn't be shocked, right? I mean, they're, they're both good teams. But, yes, I'm not giving up on them. The one thing I've liked about the Chargers is they have shown some toughness here as of late. Yeah. And I do, I do respect that. Eckler's running the ball a little bit. You know, their run defense, yeah, it's still not perfect, but – they're fighting and, and trying to stop. And with their schedule, Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins, Titans, hey, it's going to be tough. But there's no team that's just going to totally outclass them. I'm not giving up on them. And they do get in the playoffs, and they're healthy with the Joey Bosa and Derwin James and everybody in the offensive side. Yeah, they could definitely make a little run and scare you. The second-best team in that division, no shame when you have the Kansas City Chiefs, who might be, as Chris says, the best team in the NFL right now. Even better than the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Eagles, the last team to lose on the season. That was last week. They bounced back, although it looked like that might not happen. What, they were down 10 in the fourth quarter. It is the first win for the Eagles since 2010 when they were trailing by 10 or more points entering the fourth quarter. So not a whole lot of comeback wins for the Eagles in the last decade. Jalen Hurts put the game on his legs. He had <laughs> yeah. 86 yards rushing. His yeah. most since week one, 49 of those in the fourth quarter. Was big at the end, converted the fourth down, and right. then ran into the end zone. So it wasn't pretty, but I don't know. In, in a season with, what, 17 games? Yeah, you're going to have like something that. like this. Exactly right. You're, you're right. And it's a Colts team that's kind of re-energized and found a new way to play. And I think we saw that again, where you got to give Jeff Saturday you know, some respect there. They're, they're, they're still fighting there in Indianapolis, and they're, they're playing the proper way to what their team is. I think, again, we saw another game with Matt Ryan. They got the ball out of his hands quickly for the most part of the day. They stayed patient with the run game. You know, I saw basically the same two or three runs that I, I talked about last week on the podcast where I said I feel like that's what Jeff Saturday did. He simplified things, just said, wait, we're good at these ones. Let's just keep doing them. I, I felt like I saw that again last night. You know, it was there. It was there to be had. The Colts messed up some situations. Jonathan Taylor fumbling as the pockets get, you know, as the piles being pushed and all that. That was a big moment in the football game. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's playing the Eagles right now. 
the Eagles are have gotten to that point where they're good enough to you know, turn the ball over maybe one or two times and still be like, no, we're still going to win this game. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that's where they're special. And then if you do turn the ball over, then it's like, uh-oh, well, they're that good. You, you're, you're in trouble now. But, yeah, this was a, a, a you know, a, a dogfight. And I, I think you said it right. They found something just at the end of the game because their O-line could not dominate the Colts. And as we've been saying here on the podcast for the last few weeks, the Colts' defense is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It went into the, the game yesterday as a top-five defense, and like I've been trying to say, that offense has been so bad, and they're still a top-five defense. That tells you. That was the biggest thing to me. Eight people in the line of scrimmage because of that Seattle scheme. You know They couldn't overpower them in the run game. Because there's eight people at the line of scrimmage so often, too, it's hard to you know come off the edge on the read option at times and be free because there's always the extra guy there. And then they play a defense where – they don't let you have big plays. It's press bail. It's cover three, press bail. Jam them at the line of scrimmage, then just get back and don't let them go deep. So those were some issues for the, the Eagles. But the quarterback design run at an empty and him just scrambling on a few plays were the difference in the football game. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty. I'm not downgrading the Eagles by any stretch of the imagination. They played, I think, again, like we were just talking about with the Chargers, two teams that I think match up well with them in a lot of ways. And two defenses that – have some elite things about them that canceled out some of the eliteness of what the Eagles usually can do to people. Sure. And I think that's kind of how I assess that game. Yeah, it was tough for them on the ground. You had Jalen Hurts with the 86 yards, but Miles Sanders, 13 carries, 47 Traditional yards. run game was not there, right? Not working yeah. through the air. I mean, Jalen Hurts only threw for 190 yards. Right. So everything was very difficult offensively. And it looked like maybe the Colts, and we talked about this going into the game, they might be able to run the ball yeah. on this team. Jonathan Taylor, that first opening drive, seven carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. And then after that, 15 carries, just 35 yards. Yeah, in the final slowed 10 down. drives. And so how much credit do we have to give to the newcomers for the Eagles here? And Dominican Sewell and Val Joseph, they combined for seven tackles. Certainly sack, saw them around the ball a lot. A couple quarterback hits. And here was the big thing. They played yeah. 43 snaps. Right. So they did play a little bit, and that probably will go up as – the weeks go on. Yeah. No. I, How I much mean, does that change their team? Well, it, it, it just gives them more fresh bodies, depth, some versatility to change. Those are two big guys who understand, like, you know, again, under, they can two-gap both of them, which I think is very important in this day and age of the running quarterback and some of the teams you have to play. You know, we talk about it so much, these quarterbacks and what they can do. It's like, oh, wait, you know, they fake the ball this way, two guys pull the other way, and you're like, well, you got you're a guy short here in this gap now over here. And that's where the big D tackles like them can come into handy because they go, wait, 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 I got two gaps. So now we have an extra gap for this guy out of here. And now that play doesn't gash us as much. Yeah. So that's where they add a little value along with some depth. But, you know, also, too, you don't, it, you don't, you don't sound like you think it'll totally. I don't think it's going to totally huge fix difference. them. I don't, I don't yeah. look at it and go, oh, man, they, this, this did it. Yeah. They got it now. You know, I, the, to me, the run game started off strong. Hey, we see this every game, a lot of games, right? Defenses, it's it's a first 15. The defense is kind of figuring out, like, how they're attacking us and getting a feel for the strength and what they need to do for guys blocking them and all that. I think the other thing that just came to, you know, at least to, to my mind as the game went on, is just I feel like Philly got pretty aggressive as far as just going, wait, we're, we, they don't have anybody that really scares us. You know, their downfield passing game, like we've talked about, doesn't really scare us. And I feel like that 
allowed them to play some aggressive coverages and some aggressive fronts to kind of slow down that run game as it went on. Nick Sirianni was all fired up after the game. Of course, spent some time there coaching with the oh, Colts I love this. here. I he, love Sirianni for this right here. Coach under uh, Frank Reich. Right. Was the OC yeah. with Frank Reich. Right. And got his big break with the Eagles after that. So he was asked about Frank Reich, talked about him after this game. And I think we have the sound bite there, Kristen. This is what Sirianni had to say. I'm emotional because I love Frank Reich. I really do. And he's uh, he's one of the best damn football coaches I've ever been around. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was hoping that, that him and I would be able to coach against each other uh, in this game. But he, he is one of he, – He's my, one of my biggest mentors. I got my dad, I got Larry Karras, and, and I got Frank Reich. And Frank's such a good football coach. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to know what I think uh, of if he should be here or not. but Because uh, you guys can probably imagine what I really think. Dang. Yeah, I love it. Sticking up for his that. guy. You know, and again, I don't, you know, we didn't get to discuss this a lot because you were on the beach putting suntan lotion on your wife. But <laughs> either way, like, yeah, I mean. I don't think Frank Reich should have been fired. I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm I'm with him. I don't think it justified it. And the ugliness of the year, like we talked about, was forced on him by the benching of Matt Ryan. You know, so that's where I I just feel for him that way. Um, I do. But that was a good win for the Eagles. That was. I don't care. What, you know, people yeah. don't look at the record. Whatever the, the Colts match up again. This is a matchup league, and you know, with that defense of Indianapolis and the scheme. You know, th- that's the thing to watch for here. That's what I – this is where – this is the time of year where codes get cracked a little bit. And teams start – it's a copycat league, right? You always hear that. So, I think that's one thing to watch here going forward is, you know, usually when it's a great team like Philadelphia. We saw this with Kansas City a few years ago. Once one team can kind of lay out a blueprint a little bit of at least how to slow them down mm-hmm. – now, team, the next team goes, oh, they did that. Oh, okay, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. I'm going to do that. Oh, and I got my own little thing I think that's going to help here. And then the next team comes along and they go, oh, wait, okay, Washington did that. The Colts did that. Okay, wait, we can kind of combine that and do that. And it starts to give people an idea of like, all right, now we know how to defend these guys a little bit. So we'll see if that goes on going forward here. But, you know, two really good defensive lines are the two things that are in common slowing down the Eagles. I don't think there's a lot of teams that have the personnel that are going to do this to Philadelphia that often. And if you're rooting for chaos and Jeff Saturday to get that main head coaching gig, get that interim tag out of there. Right? It wasn't hurt by this game. No, he it almost, definitely almost wasn't. hundred percent. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, and speaking of blueprints, the Patriots have the blueprint on how to beat the Jets. goes back several, several years. They <laughs> did it again. Your, how to be your daddy <laughs> by the New England Patriots. 10-3 in, 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 in a pretty boring game. Uh, offensively challenged game. Some wins, some cold weather. Uh, both quarterbacks, it was a struggle for both of them uh, differently. Uh, in different ways. But, yeah, the Patriots now have won 14 straight versus the Jets. This one came down to a last second with five seconds left. Marcus Jones 
the rookie, 84-yard punt return, the second longest go-ahead fourth-quarter touchdown in Patriots history. It's the longest since 1962. Just a strange game. Not one that you walk away with your, you know, if you're any offensive player with your head held high. No. Um, but, I mean, Bill and the Patriots, as they've done in recent years, have found a way to beat the Jets. What'd yeah. What would you make of well, it? Well, you know, again, tough physical football game. Both defenses are really good. Both defenses have a great feel for how the other one wants to attack. You know, the biggest, the biggest thing, the, the biggest difference to me is, like, one team had an offensive line that could do something and the other one didn't, you know. I mean, Mac Jones, you know, they had a game plan of get the ball out, be able to throw the football that way, and then they could run the ball. The Jets couldn't run the ball at all and didn't have great pass protection and didn't really have a passing game he could talk to at all in any you know, stretch of the imagination. It was ugly. You know, to, to me, I, I know the game came down to that moment and that punt return, but the, the Patriots outplayed the Jets for the majority of the day. I never, I never, I didn't get, get done with this game and go, oh man, the Patriots got lucky here. They really, ooh, uh, had two missed field goals that were very makeable, right? They should have had the lead already. Uh, honestly, Belichick in a field goal type of game, I thought he made a blunder towards the end of the game and went for it on fourth down one time when you went, wait, they can't get past the 30-yard line. Why wouldn't you just keep playing field goal, field position and you know go for a field goal there? But either way, his defense was so dominant and you know the Jets had no chance really in any, in any phase or area of the football game as far as their offense is concerned. All right, so this has unofficially become yeah. the Zach Wilson podcast. You yeah. know, ever since it was, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago now, yeah, I don't right. know how long ago that was, that you right. put Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence yeah. in your rankings. This has become the Zach Wilson podcast podcast and you were complimentary of him a few weeks ago on some of the things that he's done there's not a whole lot there as you mentioned you know not a whole lot there not a whole lot of protection it's not like he has a no of great they've weapons. been playing defense they run the ball and they ask him to make four or five throws every game that's what they played why he's five and two during that stretch but this was this was rock bottom for the offense it was. for the reasons that you mentioned let's right. take a look at how bad it was uh, if you're a Jets fan, look away right now if you're watching on YouTube or on Peacock. I think we have all the numbers here. Six first downs and nine completions. They had more punts than completions. They had 10 punts in the game, just 103 total yards. Um, let's do this. Zach Wilson talked to the media yeah. after the game. Chris Pope, one of our homies, wrote in, Zach Wilson, that boy needs to grow up, take some accountability yep. for only having just over 100 total yards on offense and three points on the board. Uh, this is what Zach Wilson had to say after the game in the press conference. Super frustrating, you know. It is. It was a frustrating day, of course. You know, I felt like I had I had some balls that got away from me. Um, but you know, we got to find a way as an offense. We got to do some. We got to do some digging, watch the film, and see what we can do better. It was the same. I mean, I think you got to put into account it's it's windy as hell out there too, guys. You know, <laughs> you know, there's times where you can't just completely try and take these shots down the field. I mean, you can see how much it's moving out there. So, you know, we were trying to establish the run game. You know, same with what the Patriots were trying to do as well. You know, they're not they're not out there chucking you know 30, 40 yard throws down the field either. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you do you feel like you let the defense down? At all? No, no. Thank you. Room's open. All right, so that last answer is getting a lot of play yeah. out there. Uh, well, what, we're what just in the era of anything he does, we're going to jump on. Listen, I wish he able to answer that differently, too. It's the last question of the press conference, a throwaway. Does, you know, and I think sometimes guys are just like, you know, did we let them down? No, I don't know. They've, they've had games where they let up 30 points. Did you ask me, if, did they let them, did they let us down? 
when they let up 30-something points? The reason I don't like that question yeah. is because it's not a question. It's right. just a test. Right. Right? The reporter is just – there's, there's one way to answer that question. Right. Of course, right? It's, of course you scored three points. And, of course, you feel like you wanted to do better. Yeah. Right? And there's one – you're supposed to say, oh, yes, you know, the defense played their hearts out and we would have loved to have gotten them. It's a, it's a test. It's not a question. Yeah. You're, you know what answer you're supposed to get. And if they don't give that answer, then you can go, oh, look at this guy. He doesn't take accountability and all. I think that's – I think that's BS. Yeah, well, they're like fishing. They're fishing. I wish you would have answered it more like you're talking about too. I'm not, but you know, but again, it's like, uh, but I I'm also, not going to eviscerate them over. But it's it. like, that's, where, that's feel, what's funny. But do you the, feel like you let them down? I, the only way you can feel like you really, like, of course, yes, your performance wasn't there. But if you, they're trying to score, right? right? right. It's like as long as like, I tell my kids that, as long as you're trying your best and doing all you can, it's like you have nothing to feel ashamed. Well, yeah, about, you could be right? like, no, I mean, I didn't let them down. We're professionals, and it wasn't our day, and yeah. like we're going to work tomorrow, and we we're, we're going to go it again, yeah. right? So I, no. I don't like the question as much as you're right. I mean, if you just would have answered it the way no, that everyone answers it, man, yeah, I feel like we let the defense down. Damn, yeah. I played like crap today. The offense played like crap. I mean, they played a game that, that they they held the Patriots to three points. It's it's a game you'd think that they played well enough for us to win. If, if he would have said that, of course, yeah, that's what I would have liked. But it is also at the end of a day where, yeah, he just got his ass beat. They didn't play very well. He's probably freezing fucking cold. He's tired, and he's answering questions, and he said that. So, okay. So it wasn't the greatest answer. But it's, it's just this, it's the theme of – We'll look at anything we can to jump on Zach Wilson. That's yeah. that's where I defend now, it. The real problem comes yeah. if it's coming from inside the locker room. Right. And there are maybe some reports out there that uh, the, the players inside the locker room, some players, you never know who those players sure. are. Are they disgruntled players themselves but are frustrated with the offense, frustrated with Zach Wilson? Yeah. We don't know what he's like right. inside that locker room. Right. I mean, that would be when it starts to crack, right? Is when it's not just Zach Wilson versus the media; it's Zach Wilson versus the players. Is there any indication from you or from anything you've heard that there's growing frustration with him? Like he's not grasping the no, playbook. Yeah. He's I, not you know, I don't know. With the guys. I don't see that in the plays either. I don't look at it when I watch them on film and go, "Oh man, they're dumbing it down. They really have to like do this to them." You know, I think they're playing a team first off that's really good and has a good feel for them. And for the, I mean, if I go back to the first game, there wasn't three people open the whole game. Now, he threw two out of his three dumb interceptions in that football game. But I don't know. So far, too, on social media, every play I've seen in the Jets game, everybody's covered. But they're all going, look, Zach Wilson didn't do this and he didn't do that. And I want to be like, but neither did this guy do that or this guy do that. And the fucking play sucks. And they're all over it. So what do you want to say? You know, there's a little bit of a predictability that we've talked about over the last few weeks with their offense, too, where everything is over the middle. Everything. And you watch them for the most part. They had the game against Buffalo is the only game where they like kind of broke those tendencies. And I think they realized that they were so strong. But yesterday it looked like it went back to that. And then to his point, you know, it did seem like it was a day where it was windy enough to where it was affecting the play. And it seemed like it was windy enough to where New England knew not to throw to throw the ball down the field a whole lot. And the Jets... Not that they were throwing bombs away, but were certainly throwing more aggressive throws than New England. So, you know, they were ready to play in those elements and had more of a plan for it, too. And I would push back against that as well. There's numbers to back up what you just said. So Mac Jones's average depth of target was 4.6 yards down the field. That was the lowest this week in the NFL. Yeah. Zach Wilson was 10.6 yards average depth of target. That was the third highest right. this week in the NFL. So, yeah, the Jets were more aggressive, higher level of difficulty, as Zach Wilson also said, too. And I know some people are probably going to get him on that, like an excuse, oh, the windy, da-da-da-da. You ask a question looking for information, and that's a legitimate yeah. 
part I, of the game. I know. I know. The, the wind was affecting no, how you I threw know. the ball. And yeah. so it is reality for Zach Wilson. So I won't knock him as much for saying that. But there are some fans out there who are. Sure. I want to get Jackson. Valente says to you, how does Zach Wilson, if possible, fix these mistakes? Seems like his footwork in the pocket's off. He's not seeing the field clearly. Wide receivers are frustrated. And Dan Orlovsky pointed out that he might not even know his own playbook. Now, you said all this, some of this stuff already. Yeah. Um, but do you that's see a, the well, footwork I, stuff? I, that's and kind of a low blow by Dan Orlovsky. I mean, I can't really lie about that. Just to you know, you're gonna show one place on one play on Twitter, not really know the rules of the play, and then say the guy doesn't know a playbook. I mean, I got respect for Dan big time in a lot of ways, but like to just throw that out there. So we're and, showing we're showing Dan's tweet now, and he right. picks out one play, and what's he saying on this? And play? all and by the way, everybody's going over the middle, just and nobody's open. Like I'd like to just explain to everybody, but let's just blame Zach Wilson. It's Zach Wilson's fault. Now, yeah, I don't, there, there's a play he's explaining where there's two receivers to the left. One's running a shallow cross. One's running a deep in cut. And then on the right, we have a post route and then a wheel route by the tight end who kind of chip blocked, right? So, you know, what, what Dan is trying to say here is, hey, he, he threw the ball to the backside post route, and it looks like it was supposed to be a deep post down the middle of the field, and he threw it quick quickly. And now he's questioning whether he knew the playbook. What I would say is, first off, I have some experience with this type of play where in this coverage right here, sometimes the guy that's supposed to run the deep post, the, the big post, as he calls it in this video, it converts because of the coverage into maybe what we would call a glance or a skinny post. And his route and what the, his eyes look like show me that he was running the skinny post, not the big post that Dan Orlovsky is talking about. He runs seven steps. He puts his foot in the ground and looks back at the ball like he's supposed to get the ball right around there. Now, it's a crap throw, and Zach Wilson, to our homie's point, his feet are off. He looks to the left at first and then comes back. It's like he looked to the left, and let's see if we can just – I want to watch the start of the play again too. Um, looks to the left like, oh, wait, maybe this is cover three or something of that nature here at first, and then realizes, wait, this is the coverage the coach told me to get back to the skinny post. Again, that's where I don't, I don't like making comments like, I don't know if he doesn't know the playbook when it looks like there's some different rules here, and I've had this rule in place in one of the offenses I was in. So that's where I would just, I'm not sure. And I, yeah, I just, again, he played like crap yesterday. I know it hasn't been beautiful. I don't sit here, though, through the five-game win streak and come away and go, man, he's missing plays and throws all over the field. You know, that's how I judge it off of. You know that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid, even though because I made the guy my number one quarterback, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not – I my ego is not that big, nor do I care to, like, say, hey, I was wrong, and this guy's playing like crap right now. I mean, anybody that's been listening to me knows I will do that. Yesterday was crappy. But it was a shitty offensive performance too, and then they got, you know, got they uh, they to me one of their biggest problems. Some of the young guys just talk too much. That'd be the other thing I'd talk, I'd say, you know, Zach could answer that question better. Garrett Wilson's got to stop acting like he's this like the state of the union addresser of the team now. Like he's he's been around and gone to seven Pro Bowls. You know, you got Elijah Moore talking like he's a he's a bona fide superstar and he should be able to just call for the ball and I should be traded when I want to be like get out of here. So those are some of the biggest issues around this issue as well as far as the Jets. But, yeah, that was ugly. And we'll see. I'll watch this film, and I'll let you know. And if I see people wide open, then I'll go, man, Zach was horrible. Yeah. But I know in the game two games ago he, against the Bills, he was really good. And I know in the two games before that against the Patriots where it wasn't good, I came away going, 
there wasn't like four people open the whole day. He threw the ball crappy. I get that. So, you know, and again, the other thing I just want to say is they're five and two with him as a starter. They're five and two. I don't, I don't, and it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I know it was ugly, but it's weird. I've chances, never seen a fan base that roots for their team to fail more than the Jets. Chances are you're going to look at the tape and, and not see a whole lot of wide-open receivers. Well, that's the I, Patriots... want, I want somebody to show me on Twitter. I mean, Dan Orlovsky, anybody. Show me on Twitter plays where guys are wide open and that he's missing it. You know, Again, I'll get there. I'll probably get there tomorrow before I start to watch that film. But uh, that's where I just, I just want to – he showed me a play where everybody was blanketed. And he's been under, under pressure the whole game already to that point. And now we're going to – talk about if he doesn't know the playbook and I just don't think that's a fair assessment to just throw on somebody yeah Patriots able to bring the pressure Matt Judon had another sack and a half he's got 13 sacks this season most by any player under Bill Belichick and yes the Patriots defense has now allowed 7.7 points per game during their three-game winning streak they're pretty good that defense is pretty good on any quarterback out there. They definitely All right, are. We could talk about Zach Wilson forever yeah. on this podcast right? Yeah. and maybe we should because that is some of the most entertaining uh time that we have yeah zach wilson unbuttoned well, it, changing it, the name of the podcast well it's it's you know again i don't want to say this but it's it's crazy is i feel like it's it's very similar to josh allen and again i'm not trying to say he's josh allen by any stretch of the imagination at this point okay but it, it i i do feel like it's it's just look for anything to jump on him and josh allen like in his second year when they were going to the playoffs it was just every time he made a bad throw, they were like, hey, let's stop the game and break it down and tell everybody why he shouldn't have been drafted out of Wyoming. And it's just it's just look for anything all, all the time. And that's what bothers me. And that's why if you don't start to show me tangible evidence of people wide open and stuff like that, then I'm going to clap back at you because I'm kind of like – uh, I'm 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 kind of sick of that. Well, I can show you someone wide open. Yeah, Devonte Adams at the end <laughs> of that Raiders and Broncos game in overtime. Right. As we transition to our final close <laughs> game in this section that was titled "The Big Turkey." These are dramatic finishes right here. As Pete's kind of going with a Thanksgiving theme, in case you didn't pick up on that. Uh, Devonte Adams was wide open against the Broncos. Wow, how uh, how unfortunate for the Broncos, right? The best part of their team got some great defensive backs passing defense it's like might be the best in the nfl and the signature play at the end of that one is Devonte adams just running wide open into the end zone in overtime for a game-winning touchdown the broncos have found another way to lose a game this year it is uh i i feel bad in some ways for nathaniel hackett and some of the coaches out there ej evero that defense you know the, the encouraging thing was it was a day where the pass game did some stuff. I mean, they made a few plays in the pass game. It wasn't like it was totally horrible. The Broncos you're, yeah. you're talking about? Russell yeah. Wilson and company. Made it, they, it wasn't like some of the games we've seen earlier in the year where you just go, wow, they can't do anything. They can't get anything going. You know, they did make some big plays. It is all over the place. There's no doubt. You know, the thing that's stinky, too, is the Raiders' defense is not very good. So you would expect that type of performance. I think the more the, the, the headline of this game to me is that McDaniels has cracked the code a little bit on this defense. He's the only guy this year that's moved the ball on Denver like this. This is the second time they played him. It's the second time that I believe Josh Jacobs ran for 100 yards in the first matchup, and they had their way with him in the pass game the first matchup too. So yeah. there's obviously a great understanding there of the rules of the defense and how to expose it. And I think that's why we saw, you know, not only at the end of the game, but even the first touchdown pass of the game to Devontae Adams, he was – wide open if I remember correctly so they obviously had a good feel it was a good win for the yeah. Raiders and I'm glad a little bit like Zach Wilson I feel like everybody just wants to jump on Josh McDaniels and there's a little more to this story and context and I think than just oh wait they're three and seven and we should fire him 
And I just don't think that's a fair assessment, so I'm glad they got that win. Yeah, Josh Jacobs with 109 yards rushing. Yeah, Derek Carr, who went over 300 yards passing against that great defense. And then you had Devontae Adams, 141 yards. He's the first player in Raiders history with 125 or more receiving yards in three straight games. So they are rolling right now. And I think we have the dots of the overtime touchdown winning catch. If you can uh, dissect what happened here, Adams had 11.9 yards of separation from Patrick Sertan, your yeah. number one corner, My number one corner, dusted. Well, this is where arrived. this is where it's cool, right? And this is where they played the greatness of the Broncos' defense against them. You know mm-hmm. how they like your greatest strength is your great. They're really well coached. They understand what you're trying to do. You know, this is a play here, not similar to the play we just talked about with the Jets a little bit, where it's a guy running a post on the left, number eighty-four, right on the right side. You got a shallow cross and a guy that's trying to make it, the guy I'm talking about, the guy, Devontae Adams, number 17, trying to make it look like he's going to run the deep cross over the top of that shallow crosser, right? And I'm sure they ran this play a few times, and they run this play every game. Everybody does. And I think Patrick Sertain saw that. He probably saw number 10 go shallow. He sees the formation. He saw Devontae Adams start to cross the field, and he goes, oh, here it comes, post, deep crosser, shallow crosser. I'm going to undercut this so he can't you know, make a play. But I'm sure this is probably – I'm going to guess they've already run this play during the game. Not this play, but the play where he crosses. Yeah. And they probably went – Sertan was really aggressive undercutting this. And they probably held this in their back pocket for a moment like this to go, okay, let's call the okey-doke here. Don't cross. Stop when you get in the middle. Come back out. And Sertan, who was still running to defend the cross, good night, game over, see you later. So you would guess with your experience with Josh McDaniels that that was a play called by McDaniels. Yes. It wasn't just a feel thing no, from Devontae No, it wasn't Devontae a feel Adams for thing. Or... It was a thing where they got, saw it on pictures. I wouldn't be shocked if it was in, in the game plan all week of, hey, let's have this in here. And, of course, they overplay this concept. So we got something off of it. We think it could get them. I would bet more than likely knowing Josh McDaniels and being around him and even a guy like Derek Carr – that it's something they spotted earlier in the game. So I'll be interested to see when I watch that. But uh, that was a very impressive performance. And, you know, it's uh, I'm not shocked because the Raiders, even though it's a new coaching staff, do have a little culture of, you know, they, yeah, I understand they went to the playoffs last year. There's a little toughness there. Derek Carr's got some toughness. Devontae Adams got some toughness, no doubt about it. That was a big win for them, you know. And then, and then you know, what adds to it, also, not only the win, but then the end of the game shenanigans by Russell Wilson, right? Where he should have taken a sack. So right? here's the good with the bad. Russell yeah. Wilson, when they blitzed him, was pretty efficient. Right. 11 of 12, 160 yards. I don't know why you would blitz Russell Wilson right now. I, that, that was, you, know, you know me. Struggling quarterbacks, what do I always say? Yeah, don't make it easy. Don't, don't make, make it. Oh, they're blitzing. Here's my one-on-one. I don't have to read anything. And I've had a horrible year of reading stuff. Yeah. So now you don't make me read anything. I did not understand that about the game yesterday. I will say that. As I watched a few times, I kept going, why are they putting him in the only position he's shown to be able to succeed this year? Why? Uh, so that was a little surprising. Sorry, but like, you, but like you brought yeah. up, he threw that incomplete pass on third and 10. It was after the two-minute warning. Yep. It gave Las Vegas a minute 43, so Raiders were out of timeouts. Yes. So they could have run it down to a minute. Raiders would have had less time. Maybe they still would have gotten in field goal range. Yep. Let alone, I think he really has the crosser, and like a guy like Russell Wilson is making $45 million a year, I'd go throw with the rifle, hit him in the chest. I mean, 
So it was doubly bad. And to me, it was doubly bad because, one, yes, the situation itself. Like, if you know you're not going to throw it or you're not going to throw it with the intent to complete it, then go down and take the sack and let the clock run. Yeah. Right? Instead, but what I want to say is, wait, you're, this is Russell freaking Wilson. We're talking about a Hall of Famer here. Like, there's a guy, I think it was Cortland Sutton. Again, I got a lot of damn plays and names and shit going through my head right now. I'm pretty sure it was Cortland Sutton where I go, he's got him beat by a step. Hit him in the chest. Game over. See you later. Go back to Las Vegas, Las Vegas. Instead, he does that, and now they're up by three, and he gives them a chance not only to go kick the field goal to tie it, but now have plenty of time to go, hey, if you want to go down and score a touchdown and beat us, I've thrown the ball in the dirt for you to do that. Thank you. And remember me next time I come to Las Vegas. Cop me at the Wynn Hotel, all right? <laughs> I mean, that, so that's where it's a little crazy. They, they skirted the touchdown, but it got dicey because of that decision, and, yep. and the Raiders were right down there with a chance to score. Denver has scored 14.7 points per game. That is dead last in the NFL. If they had scored just 18 points every game, that would be still six worse in the NFL. Gosh. But they would have a 7-3 and three record. And, Pete, does that mean that this game would have been a loss for them? Because I would argue that if they scored 18 points per game, this game would have been a win because they would have won 18-16 in regulation there, right? 8-2. and two. We're going to change it to 8-2. and two. <laughs> So if they like scored it. 18 points in regulation like every game, they'd be 8-2. and two. That's just how I, good I hope that they don't fire Nathaniel Hackett here yeah. either. I, I, he I gave up know. his play-calling duties for the first time. Right, it's a, which is a shame. It's laughable. It's laughable. Mm-hmm. I just want to go, yeah, he's got to give up his play calling duties because the quarterback won't throw to anybody that's open. You know, Again, that's where it's, it's a little different to me with the Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson thing, right? The Wilsons here, we talk about it. We've shown some plays on social media. Everybody who's doing the games that does it, we can show you plays where people are wide open and he doesn't throw it to them, and we don't know why. But now the coach has to answer those questions, give up his play calling duty, even though people have been open for you to – be good, but we have to act like we have to go back to the drawing board and figure it out and play the politics of bullshit of the sport because the quarterback. And that's where I will defend Nathaniel Hackett right now. Again, you know, I, I, there's there's issues obviously, but the biggest issue is still the quarterback of that team. Yeah, I think they had a better offensive game against the Raiders last time. They did. They 100%. played the Raiders, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it didn't help at least versus this specific opponent uh, opponent on this specific week. Now we get to our next section, which we like to call "Damn Okay." Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambleizing. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. And this section has been titled, in honor of Thanksgiving coming up here, the Mashed Potatoes Edition. This is the NFC East Blowout Edition. As we do our damn okays as well, we start... With the Dallas Cowboys throttling the Minnesota Vikings. Felt so bad for Mike Florio. You know, Mike, Mike's you know Vikings fan. Everyone knows that. But he doesn't want to get hoodwinked, right? He doesn't want to buy in. And he sent his son up to this game. Oh, no. His son Alex went to this game. He was so reluctant to get roped into the Vikings. He was the one that was like, pump, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Let's not, let's not get too excited about this team. They haven't beat anyone of note yet, and then they come back and beat the Bills, and he goes all in. You know, he could tell. He was like, finally, they've arrived. I think he was number, what, they had him number one, the Vikings number one in his power rankings. He was like, I'm all in. 
And then they go. Now, now he'll give them the Ita- Italian vendetta. Yeah. And he'll drop them like 12th in the rankings because he's yes. mad at them. <laughs> he might be done with them forever now. This is an embarrassment no, to Mike Florio. No, he didn't give up on them by now. He That's ain't given up point. on them. <laughs> 40 to 3. It looked like maybe the Vikings gave up on themselves at some points in this game. But we're going to give the damn okay to a guy you've been pumping up for a couple years here on the podcast. Tony Pollard was the guy, even though Zeke came back, yeah. a little limited, uh, missed the last couple of games with injury, but worked in, did score a touchdown, but Pollard was the man. Some big plays out there, the running game, the passing game, 80 yards on the ground, 109 through the year. I mean, that's that guy looked like the best running back on that team, and in this game, he looked like one of the better running backs in the league. I, well, I, I think it's it's not like crazy to say that he's he's one of those kind of guys. I mean, when you talk about running backs who are in space who are dangerous in the football, I mean, you're crazy not to bring up Tony Pollard's name. I mean, how many weeks in a row do we got to watch the guy run for a 50-yard touchdown before we start to go? You know, he's kind of good. I mean, it's 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 run game, pass game. You know, Prescott, maybe one of his best games of the year. Uh, it was, that was impressive. Dallas, you know, it was they dominated really in every phase. Other than the first ugly field goal drive of the Vikings where they kind of gutted it out and got down there, and that wasn't even easy. After that, there was nothing to speak of. You know, I think the, the thing you look at with Minnesota is, one, I don't think their running game is as dominant as people think it is with Dalvin Cook. You know, I think the numbers are maybe – you know, the numbers the numbers actually are are kind of actually lower than what you expect you know you, you i think we view them as as better than what they actually are is what i'm saying yeah. and that's where i'm trying to get to here where they didn't pose the same problems as the packers did as far as the run game and then the other aspect too that i think is a little different because of the the rpos and the quick passing game that the packers brought to the table and hopefully the fact that the cowboys realized wait we can't play these run defenses and then play bump in your face and let a guy like justin jefferson just have a one on one day on us like christian watson did the, did them last week to me the one of the things i looked at early on in the football game is i saw dallas crowd the line of scrimmage and when it was a play action pass or a pass they backed out and it wasn't man-to-man coverage they played zones and they're a good zone football team and they're creative doing that and when you do play zones yeah the quarterback's got to drop back read the coverage he passed the ball maybe one extra time boom michael parsons hits you from behind and now you strip sack fumble or something like that but that was a that to me again is just the cowboys can go to the super bowl they show games, quarters, moments of going, well, that's like an extremely dominant special football team. And when their offense plays like that and their defense doesn't play overly crazy aggressive like that, uh, you could see what they can do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a misleading loss. Minnesota's not 37 points worse than Dallas. <laughs> but I do think it showed some of the things we've talked about with Minnesota, why I'd never viewed them as one of the top teams in football. And it's three weeks in a row they've been outplayed. It's just they're fortunate they're two and one in that stretch where the other team played better than them, but they won two of them. There's something to that. I don't want to take away the credit, certainly, but that was an ass whooping yesterday. Yeah, the Cowboys scored on their first seven possessions. Uh, 37 point victory. Gosh, was, was it the biggest, first seven? Yeah, four touchdowns, three field goals. Woo! It was the biggest Cowboys road win in franchise history for a franchise that's been pretty good in their in their history. And yeah, defensively they were dominant too. Seven sacks, most in a single game since 2008. Micah Parsons had a couple there. Um, Demarcus Lawrence was awesome once again for them. So 
it was just total total domination. And the Cowboys, you think maybe they don't they don't need any more more talent, but who knows? Maybe they'll get some, right? Uh, Rumors I mean, out there that, that perhaps Odell Beckham Jr. is it's on the fledged, way, right? So it's I, I think I've heard out there what Cowboys Giants are showing some interest in Odell, bring him back home. Uh, so here's some tweets. Odell was watching the Cowboys game. He goes, they went crazy today with the eye emoji, and then Demarcus Lawrence wrote back, they sure did make the right decision. Then Micah Parsons, the eye emoji three times over, and he goes, come on then. Yeah. He's going to to Dallas. He's going. You think so? I do. I do. I don't think he's going to go to the Giants. I don't think so. Is that just you protecting yourself? You're just like, I don't want to get my hopes up. I I would love it. I would love it. But you think he'll go? I've heard that, you know, that. You know, I, I've heard, I've heard from teams, and I've heard that you know there was interest as far as Giants and Odell even wanting to flirt with the Giants once again, right? The price tag's going to be interesting, as you've you know you've heard me say. I know that's a thing here. The teams are a little taken back by how much money he was asking for or expecting. Uh, I think he's looking for a little security here. But yeah, it's 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 funny. It seems like the Dallas, and I haven't snooped around about this over the last two weeks. I kind of let it go. We have, it doesn't seem like the Buffalo thing is percolating like it was, which I don't know why. And just again, Ahmed, you know, I mean, people who are from that region of the country, he's from Louisiana. It's, it's Dallas is king there in professional sports. They own that region of the country. I mean, that's you know, that's that's a big deal. It's one of those things where you're from Louisiana and, you know, grandma, grandpa, and uncle are like, hey, you going to go play with the Cowboys? You going to play with the Cowboys? I mean, mom and dad are saying it. It's just I feel like it's it's going that way. And, you know, they have all the things we've talked about that make sense for him and he makes sense for them. And uh, I, I certainly it certainly seems like it could be a match made in heaven. No it, question. It does. It may, and it's just yeah. money. Yeah. It's just money at this yeah. point. That's going to be the big draft capital. Right. It's just money and it may be a longer term deal than you might want, but... You're close. You're close. You got the weapons, and you could add Odell Beckham there. So we'll see if that happens for the Cowboys that are very close to the Philadelphia Eagles in how they're looking on the field right now. And you've been saying that for a long time, that you wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys, you're like, there's not much separating these two teams. And I think probably more people are thinking that after I, this I, game. Yeah, I, you know, again, I don't – and that's not, no disrespect to the Eagles. Again, I, I really – but I just – yeah, I look at Dallas as, you know, hey, the Dallas, the Eagles, um, the 49ers – the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans, the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Ravens. I look at those teams that just go, and I'm probably missing somebody else. They can match up against any team in football. There's no team where I'd ever go, oh, that's, you know, hey, some might be worse or better, but nothing's ever going to be like, oh, wow, they got a real problem here today with this, this matchup. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And you look at the NFC East, there are three really good teams in this division. You got the Eagles, you got the Cowboys, and you got the Commanders here, too. We'll get to your Giants here in a second. Okay, <laughs> Pete told me to shut up. He doesn't like it. Uh, Pete's still on the bandwagon. Uh, we'll get to the Giants and the Lions game here shortly. But now it is the Commanders. 
who looked really good. I mean, this was a dominant victory against a team that is used to giving up dominant victories. Yeah. The Houston Texans, 23-10. to 10. But they did all the right things. It was four sacks, six quarterback hits, five tackles for a loss. You had Jonathan Allen looking uh, spry on that defensive line. Chase Young's not. Uh, what, we're going to see him, what, next game yeah. come back? And yeah. so that's going to be very scary. The Commanders, even though this wasn't a game that you look at and you're like, oh, Houston Texans, yeah, they're supposed to beat them what they did against the Eagles. They're starting to look like a team like this makes sense how they could get into the playoffs and uh-huh. give some teams some trouble. Do you agree with that? I agree with that, Amon. You know, and, and let's take into context, too, like what you're saying with Houston. Houston played the Giants last week, and it was a close football game. I mean, damn, they drove down the field. Damian Pierce fumbled inside the 20-yard line. He threw an interception in the end zone to the Giants. So, uh, Houston, even though their record's not great, they've been a pain in the butt. Before that, they played the Philadelphia Eagles. It was 14-14 at halftime. You know, so they're not a team that like anybody's really just blown off the field. And to to your point here with what they did and how they played, like this game was more dominant than twenty three to ten. You know, they, they were clearly in control of the football game throughout. And Washington, to to what you're saying, Ahmed, like yeah, watch out. Uh, they they're a team, yes, that I look at that they get in the playoffs. Uh, they could be scary. You know, for the second week in a row here, we're talking about run game that gets going a little bit, and they don't need much of a run game before then. Oh, oh no, now it's great looks for Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. You know, and then Heineke, we know he's going to make a handful of plays. But, yeah, I just look at that and go, their defense is special and can keep them against anybody, and the offense has got it going now. And even with that yesterday, you know, I there was a few times in my row I wrote, I wrote Heineke, he missed some big throws in the game where there were some people that were wide open for some huge passes. He missed them, but it it doesn't really it didn't matter, you know, for the most part. The way they controlled the game. The defense get the ball back, they run the ball, and then, you know, he found his rhythm again and they made some plays. But game was twenty three to three or twenty to nothing, right? Or twenty to three for a long time and you felt like, man, Washington kind of took their foot off the gas pedal and yeah. they got a garbage-time touchdown, the Texans. Well, at halftime, Washington had 246 total yards. Houston had five, the lowest by any team in the first half of this season, which I would have thought it would go back many seasons. But I mean, maybe it does, but uh, no team had just had five yards at halftime. Uh, Washington, they had that one-and-four start. Now they've won five of their last six games. I think we have a graphic on how much the defense has turned things around. They've figured things out here in this five-game, six-game stretch here. They're allowing ten fewer points per game now in the last six games as opposed to the first five games of the season. Takeaways is another huge number. The first five games, it was just one takeaway. Last six games, it is 12. And so, yeah, they're doing all the all the things that you look at. You look at that, you're like... That's a team that could do some damage in the playoffs. Yeah, they're creative. They're creative on the defensive back end as far as coverages. And then the front four, um, and as we talked about a little last night, it's just special. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. It's it's the most dominant duo of defensive tackles in the game. Montez Sweat's probably one of the most underrated pass rushers in football. You know, uh, and then, yeah, to have Chase Young coming back, like, yeah, watch out. Washington is, uh, Washington is definitely one of those teams that could – upset some of our pretty playoff matchups that we might want to see, you know, in the divisional round or whatever. Yeah. And we go, wait, well, yeah, Washington's here. Uh, I wanted to see, you know, Eagles, Cowboys. And, you yeah. know, they upset one of those teams or something like that. They're, they're definitely capable of that. They're like, all right, let's get behind Taylor Heineke. And well, then they go. And-, and they went behind Heineke. Thank you for that. I, I'm glad you led me there because Ron Rivera said it's him going forward. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we knew that and it should be that he, 
And I feel bad for Carson Wentz in a lot of ways because a lot of problems that were there when he was a starting quarterback were not because of him. Uh, but either way, you got to ride this hot hand. And, and the team does seem to rally around Heineke. That seems to be a real tangible thing. And now Houston currently owns the number one and number seven overall picks in the 2023 draft, thanks to that trade with Cleveland. So two in the top ten right now. The Detroit Lions are screwing up their draft pick. I'll tell you that How dare they? Although they get the Rams one, which is starting to look better and better as the year (laughs) goes on. But damn okay to Aleem McNeil for the Lions. Had a sack, three quarterback hits, three tackles for a loss. An NFL high ten quarterback pressures this week per PFF. Sounds like a big butt of the week award winner. Certainly does. As the Lions came back, didn't come back. They just they just beat the Giants in this one. Well, they were down six to three. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah it was a big come comeback, back. huge comeback. Thirty-one eighteen, the final score. Uh, and let's, let me just go. Trist and Stout, good name. Trist and Stout tweeted in. Says Trist we, and Shout. Oh, Shout. That's right. Okay, Trist. The play on words, right? Like that's twist right. and shout. That was like Stout defense or something like that. But you're right, <laughs> Trist and Shout. Uh, can we get a damn okay for the Lions defense? Three weeks in a row, defensive stands have won the Lions games this week, holding Saquon to 22 yards. One of the weakest units in the league through eight weeks has really stepped up the past few weeks have they turned things is this real is this what we're going to expect now from the lions going forward have they turned a corner i think they've turned a corner in the fact that yeah it's not just like you're, n- you're not playing the lions anymore and you can look at it and go we're just going to steamroll them and we're scoring 30 points i, I know justin fields and company did but just, you know, that's an offense that's and him that's pretty special and people are trying to still figure out the answers of how to defend them but between yesterday and the way they looked you know two weeks before this against the green bay packers where, again, Green Bay moved the ball, made some mistakes, but at least it was a positive day defensively. McNeil, was, it was one of those where I kept looking up going, how is Big 54 in the backfield so much? I love the Liam McNeil. Remember, he was one of our top D tackles at yeah. NC State you know, the year he came out. Um, he's, he's a load to move, but I, I think, I mean, that was the story of the game. It was kind of, you stole what the Giants usually do. You guys ran the ball. Uh, you guys stopped the run. You guys caused the turnover to give yourself the extra possession. You know, it was six to three, and I'm going, man, the Giants got a hold of this. I think we're we're okay. They're gonna we're gonna be all right. I get the ball back, and then the the play of the day happened. And and to me, the game was never the same. And again, I know there's probably more to it than that, but I'm trying to watch eight games at one o'clock, and I just and in my notes, it was the one thing I wrote, like. It was the interception, play-action pass. Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. puts his big hands up like a T.J. Watt, comes down with the INT, and your Lions go score a touchdown, get a stop, get the ball back, score before the half, and all of a sudden it's 17-6 Lions, and the Giants were in, in deep crap and, and unable to do anything really. And that interception snapped a streak of six straight games without a pick for Daniel Jones. Had another one later in the game, another rookie. For the Lions, Kirby Joseph coming through, uh, two interceptions on the day for for uh, Daniel Jones. And so, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson now, Defensive Rookie of the Year, perhaps. Maybe he's getting in that conversation. Sauce Gardner still the favorite. Then you got Tariq Woolen. But then third, most likely, according to Bet MGM, is Aiden Hutchinson. Well, he's just such a good football player. You know, he hasn't been like a dominant, dominant pass rusher, but it, it's it's all all the the – the tools you need are there. And he's just a really good football player. And the fact of, I mean, yeah, you you see him dropping in zone coverage. He's got good awareness. He's very good and disruptive in the run game. It's probably where he's been his best, shooting gaps, getting skinny, causing disruption in the backfield. 
You know, shoot, you know, running running down a, a run play to the right, and he's on the left, and he comes behind the line of scrimmage and stops it. I mean, that's where I, I feel like I've noticed him more than anything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was like after that point and that interception, it was like the Giants couldn't stop Detroit for the rest of the day. Detroit really kind of just went up and down the field and then became made the Giants into a passing football team. And the Giants aren't a passing football team. That's not what they want to be. Yeah, Daniel Jones, you talk about he threw the second interception. It was a fourth down. He kind of had to force the throw. You know, they were down 24 to 6 at the time, I believe. So uh, it was one of those where you can live with that interception. But yeah, that's again where, again, it's where I hope people can understand like the same trepidation I've had about saying the Vikings are like one of the best teams in football. It's the same thing with the Giants. The game has to go a certain way. The Giants don't have much versatility in how they can win the game. You know, it's, 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 we know how they have to play. And if you're more than, you know, seven points, 10 points late in the football game, I mean, that just seems like it's a lot for the Giants to overcome or they got to make something happen and make yeah. a, a big turnover or you got to make a mistake, which was what they did do in some of those games. They were down seven and 10. Well, it seemed like it was set up for the Giants in this game because you're going against the second worst running defense in the NFL. So you got Saquon Barkley, who ran the ball 15 times, had zero longer than four yards which is crazy. So could not break the big one, could not even break one more than five yards in this look game. close. No, Daniel Jones was the only thing that happened in the run game. Yeah, and so they could not run on this Detroit defense. That might be getting better, and they have their first three-game win streak since 2017. We'd be remiss not to mention Jamal Williams, to Three touchdowns, has 12 on the season. That's amazing. Leads the NFL right now. Uh, he's the first player with two or more rushing touchdowns in five of his first ten games since LaDainian Tomlinson. They weren't, you know, epic runs. They were down by the goal line. But yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a skill to that. He's got a nose for the end zone. Exactly right. There's, there's a skill to that. There's, you know, certain guys. Like, that's where I love, like, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, give him the ball inside the five, short-yarded situation. He's got power. He's got a great feel of kind of where to lean, where to go in those type of plays. Jamal Williams is very good at that. And I just look at them, too, you know, I also look and just go, man, can DeAndre Swift get totally healthy to where we can see him yeah, know. you know, unleashed again? Because there's plays in, the, in that game, even in last week, where I go, ah, I mean, hey, I like Jamal Williams and I like the other running backs they got. But if that was DeAndre Swift, that was an extra 20 yards on that play. You know, there's some meat being left on the bone because they don't have – you know, a really talented, explosive guy. Swift is clearly that guy for their their offense and their running backs. They are rolling now, though, the Detroit Lions, and hey. now they will get embarrassed on national television no, they for won't. everyone to see. No, they won't. The it's what happens no. a lot of times. We, we get our hopes up. They We're won't. like Mike Florio and the Vikings. We get I'm, our hopes I'm, up. I, I think you guys are going to be a, like, oh, no. well, you're, you're going to be a pain for their defense. Oh, no. I do think that. Now, oh, can you corral, you know, number 17 at 1230 yeah. on a Thursday afternoon? Pete wants, to, Pete wants to know who's more likely to be embarrassed on Thanksgiving, the Giants versus the Cowboys or my Lions against the Buffalo Bills? Hmm. The right I answer actually, is both. We're both going to be embarrassed. I, I think if there was an embarrassing yeah, spread is nine for both games. I'd be more scared maybe for the Giants right now to get mm. blown out than I would be Detroit. Yeah. Pete's scared too. Yeah. All right. So the, the Bills, though. They, were, they had a lot going on this week. As we move on to the stuffing section of our Monday recap pod, good teams taking care of business. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Bills did here. It wasn't anything crazy. The Browns actually had some chances to take a couple touchdown lead early in the game. The Browns controlled the game, Ahmed. I'm glad you started there. Early on in the football game, I mean, the, the, the Browns were playing better football for the first quarter and a half of the game. 
Well, I, I want to say around there. And, and to your point, you're talking about when they got down there, right, and had to settle for a field goal to go up 10-3. to three, And uh, they had the, what, the both, both drop touchdown passes down the middle. Yeah. We had, I can't remember, it was, um, I can't remember who the two guys were. It might have been uh, Brown. Brown was yeah. one of them. Okay. Okay. But either way, two balls down the middle where you went, they could have came up with that. You know, put themselves in the driver's seat, and that I don't know that 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 point. I guess the game was ten to or uh, seven to three Bills at that point, or seven to three Browns. Excuse me, and they could have gone up fourteen to three yeah. instead, only go up ten to three, and then have the subsequent drive of of uh, Jacoby Brissett fumbling the quarterback snap, which I believe was either the next drive or the drive after that. So it was a game early on where you went, man, Buffalo is. Doesn't look like Buffalo here. Yeah. They might get caught off guard here today. And passing game, people were wide open. Jacoby Brissett was tearing them apart. Josh Allen didn't look very good. But slowly but surely, the Bills got to go. And, and really, I, I would say about halfway through the second quarter, started to kind of control the flow of the football game. And they got the running game going. We saw yes, it last did. week versus Minnesota. They had 175 rushing yards, although 84 of that was from Josh Allen this week against Cleveland. Not a good rushing defense. Right. So you but a real run that. game. Exactly. That's the But question. it was a real run game. Right. 171 rush yards, only seven of those by Josh Allen. You got Devin Singletary with 86. James Cook got rolling. Biggest game for his uh, young career so far, 86 yards for him. So, yeah, that's the question. Was that was that real? Is that sustainable? What we saw there was that just against the Cleveland Browns? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to tend to lend to more towards this, the Cleveland Browns. Every anybody and everybody can run on the Cleveland Browns as long as you have some sort of a pass game where they have to worry about it at all. Then you can gash them all day long. And uh, I, I that's where I want to. That's again where I go. I don't, I don't know if it'll be as easy against your Detroit Lions. And then the way you guys run the football too, you can pose some problems to them where they gotta, you know bend like they did in this one where they overplay the run and now it's big plays in the pass game you know that, that that's kind of what happened in this football game so no I'm not sold on it but I think the big point is this to get the win with no practice on Wednesday because the team's got a lot of guys that are sick and beat up then Thursday uh have a practice Friday have zoom meetings and do nothing Saturday do nothing and just find a way to get to the airport to hopefully get to the game and then play. I mean, I, I mean it's not shocking that they came out kind of looking rusty and not that good early on in the football game. Yeah. So i got to give them a little credit for kind of battling through the week and the circumstances after that loss to the Vikings and then still win this football game and, and end up kind of winning it handily. Uh, I will give, you know, Sean McDermott and company a lot of credit. And now they get to play in Detroit again on Thursdays. So they probably go back home, right? They're not just staying in Detroit. No, yeah, the they home. went home. They, they did. did. I know. I wondered that, too, if they might just stay and go, yeah. well, so what? We'll stay here because, you know, you're going to travel on Wednesday for a week like this. Right, but they wanted to go back home, yep. shovel their driveway a little bit more because all that snow – uh, prevented this game from being played in Buffalo. But they did the nice thing as they were leaving, and Detroit social media asked them to do this. They said, hey, take care of everything. Turn out the lights when you leave. They go, don't don't break any tables, which we're like, well, well the players don't usually do that. So you might need to tell our fans. They might not that, listen. It was good social media. It, it was good. It was good. So here, if you're watching on Peacock or YouTube, you can see uh, Bill's social media. They're turning out the lights, locking the doors. It was I I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. The Bills they play the game. Their social media team does a good job of playing the game like that. And now I hope we destroy them in three days from now. Well, well, one of the other thing, and Pete, I don't know if you could pull it off or anything, but I saw on their social media is 
and I, I don't they might have done it on Twitter, but they showed their flight plan on how they went back to Buffalo from oh. Detroit. What right? was it? What? Well, here's here's Detroit. Yeah. Here's Cleveland. And then there's Buffalo, let's say a downwards triangle, right? Yeah. They made the flight. They released a thing on social media where they took their flight plan. They flew to Cleveland and made a W, and then flew to, <laughs> and then flew to Buffalo. Good. That's pretty. So good. that was pretty good. It was. Uh, I thought that was pretty creative. But some of these teams in their social media right now is, uh, it's it's just top notch. Well, you know I what really I like. I it. always say this. You can tell which teams kind of like the. The suits, the head honchos, the people wearing ties don't give a whole lot of pushback to the social media team. They just let them go. Yeah. They don't have a fear right. of their social media right. team doing something that's going to embarrass them. them. They trust them. And so then there was teams that have that trust. Here it is. Look do at some it. cool it things. So it here it is. Good. If you're watching. There it is. The W all over <laughs> Cleveland. That's uh, really good. <laughs> then uh, back to Buffalo. There they are. Yeah, they got that W over Cleveland. What if that's just always? Yeah, they always do that. It's like uh, taking the lap around the stadium, right? Didn't the Raiders do that the Raiders in Kansas that City be, or something yeah, like yeah. that? Maybe yeah. they'll pay for that. Maybe next time they play the Browns, like, we remember <laughs> what your plane did to our city. Yeah, put an L. <laughs> Over Buffalo, maybe next time, Pete says. So uh, a feel-good game for the Bills. They're back on track. We'll see if they can get another feel-good game against my Detroit Lions. It was a feel-good game, although not a very easy game for the Cincinnati big play Bengals in a surprisingly high-scoring game this week. 37-30, to 30, I think you could have seen them. Steelers maybe grinding out a game with the Bengals if they were going to stay in this game. Well, they did stay in the game in a high-scoring game, which was quite surprising. But the Bengals have now won six of eight games since their 0-2 start. They figured out a way to win this game. I didn't have my eye on this game a whole, whole bunch, yeah. Chris, so I don't know exactly what the storylines were, but Joe Burrow threw for 355 yards, and T. Higgins caught 148 of that. And so the passing game seemed very difficult to stop for a Steelers team that was getting a little healthier, too, and had right. Minka Fitzpatrick back. Yeah, it's uh, the Burrow and company are starting to carve people up. Uh, I think that's the encouraging thing, and I think that's what I would use. That would be the big assessment of the football game overall. And then run game was nothing special for them, but where I thought Burrow was really good, and you might have heard me say this last night, is, you know, yeah, big play bangles, but when it wasn't there, he was very good at checking it down to Joe Mixon, checking it down to P. Ryan. You know, didn't force the issue, make stupid plays, or we know Pittsburgh thrives off of that. But yeah, he was the story of the day. He was, and I, I got to give, I will give Pittsburgh's offense some credit. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense, it was ugly and gritty and short passes and Pickett scrambles here and, you know, makes a big throw down the field to Pickens and they ran the ball okay, you know, which they, they've shown a little semblance of a running game here as of late to where they hung around, but there's just not enough offensive firepower right now. And Pittsburgh's defense isn't like years past where they can play these type of games and rely on their defense to kind of pull it out for them. You know, and we know they're still Pittsburgh and they're opportunistic that way, but uh, they're not dominant like we've seen the, the traditional Pittsburgh Steelers be where just it was too much. It's just it's too yeah. much firepower from this Bengals offense. And the Bengals defense, as we said, they make you earn it. It doesn't matter who you are every week. We see that. They don't quite get the credit they deserve on that side of the football. DJ Reader being back for them I think is going to be big down the stretch. He's one of the best run-stopping defensive tackles in football. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing I just took away was, you know, Burrow, the passing game, was pretty damn special. And that was without Jamar Chase. And yeah. I think that's saying something. Yeah, well, but they had – who did they have? Irwin, 
Yeah. What was his name? Uh, Tre- Trenton Irwin. Tre- yeah. They don't need Jamar yeah, Chase. I mean, Trenton Irwin. I mean, how do you game plan for that guy right there? <laughs> I mean, gets his first touchdown catch, catches that ball on the sideline where he turned up and ran, made a big play. Yeah, you like that. You're no, they, good. They spread the ball around. I mean, Joe Mixon, I, I'm still looking at the one play that he had for like a, a 24-yard gain. He ran like an in-cut from the left, like a receiver. Um, but, yeah, within their simplicities of their offense, they're – they're finding ways to create some illusions of complexities and things like that. I think that's the biggest thing. And then what the other thing too that just was a little surprising to me is I I, I did I was a little surprised at Pittsburgh plans maybe a little more man to man than I expected at times. I felt like when I saw a lot of the T. Higgins big catches, I was just going, Man, it's him on Cameron Sutton or it's him man to man against somebody and that's just not a winning formula versus, you know, Joe Burrow and and uh that company he's got at receivers. Yeah, Joe Burrow tied a career high with four touchdown passes in the game. Three passes went behind the line of scrimmage. All of those were touchdowns. Samaj P. Ryan caught four passes. Three of those were touchdowns. So he had a he had a big game in a game where Joe Mixon did have to leave with a concussion. So yeah. that's something to monitor. Yeah, for this uh, that's semblance going of a forward. run game. That's what I mean. As long as they have that element of run, you got to worry about our short pass a little bit. Hopefully that'll be able to keep people having to defend that. And now you can you know push the ball down the field and they can be the big play Bengals. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Top two teams in the AFC North looking pretty good because the Beng- uh, the Ravens, the Bengals won. The Ravens also won, although this game was not as pretty. No, it, it was, was ugly versus the Panthers, which I think they were favored maybe by double digits. They were. Right? I made in them a game, best bet. Which I guess they, they did win by double digits. Yeah, but it was 13, I think. I think the thread was 13. Yeah, and they just scored 13 in this game, although that was enough because Baker Mayfield and the Panthers did absolutely nothing in this game. So give credit to the Ravens' defense. Uh, Baltimore outscored the Panthers 10-0 in the fourth quarter alone. That's where this game was won. Not pretty for the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't know if he was going to play at times because he had an illness in the week, but he did play. Nothing to write home about, but no. a win is a win in the National Football League and the Bengals. Or, uh, yeah. Why do I keep saying the Bengals? The Ravens got it. They did. They did. It was. It was ugly. It was. And I think, you know, again, I think a a team that's got an athletic front seven and speed to kind of hang in there with Lamar. I was surprised at how well they defended the run. I think the thing that I probably miss or, or didn't assess the correct way is just that, you know, I think Carolina probably felt pretty good about their guys covering uh, Baltimore, which really allowed them to load the box. And that's where, again, you can get into the questions of, you know, is there enough firepower? Is that offense at, creative enough in the pass game? When matchups like this happen, it, you know, they struggle. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, Lamar did not look – necessarily looked like he was sick all week didn't look his explosive self and um, just couldn't quite do anything in the run game throughout the day it was it was an ugly football game and the Ravens defense uh, fortunately was awesome creating turnovers and the big fumble they created on Smith to really give them the uh, the chance to go ahead and, and kind of put the game away yeah four sacks three takeaways all in the fourth quarter 205 yards allowed by that Baltimore defense 
Um, but the key shocking. Off- offensive I mean, player. Not shocking, but not just. I just thought the Ravens would be more dominant. They were kind of sleepwalking after the bye week. Is kind of what it felt like. Well, they had one dominant player. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson. How about that? Right. Nine targets, caught all of them. 128 yards, the most yards by a Ravens wide receiver since 2019. Who would have thought? No, I know Demarcus Robinson, and and I, I think that's where, you know, a few of the times where I saw those type of plays, where I just went, and I think it was a huge slant pass at one point. Where again, I think it was. Just the Carolina selling out to stop the run. They felt good with their cover guys against this group. And Demarcus Robinson, you know, ended up being the benefactor of some of that man-to-man coverage there. But, yeah, that was not a very impressive win by the Baltimore Ravens either way. Uh, but I still look at them to, you know, watch out. Seven and three. Uh, still very much in the thick of things in oh, the yeah. AFC and, and definitely one of the best teams in the AFC for me. Game ahead of the Bengals in the AFC North still 7-3 record as you mentioned. Two more games to get to and we'll do those in Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. We'll get to the Falcons and Bears but we start with the Saints beating the Rams 27-20. to How we do this is we're in the newspaper editorial office. Chris does that with his mouth. We got breaking news. What's the headline for Saints versus Rams, the seven-point victory? La La Land. See ya. It's night-night time. Bye-bye, Rams. See you in 2023. This is it. We're done. Good night. They're officially in your mind. We've said it before. We go, we don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Now you're saying for sure it's done. It's over. It's done. It's done. They're just, it's it's they're a physically beaten football team. It's too much to overcome. Uh, now you got Stafford and the concussion protocol. Uh, they're they're getting to the point here where they they got to be careful about where they go with the future of the team here. Just as far as just not letting him get killed. He got killed yesterday again. He threw. He was phenomenal early on the game. I mean, made some huge passes, huge plays in the past game while he was getting killed. There's just nothing there. You know, we talked about it. Their defense is really good, but that was a tough matchup for them with this team because this team's got some balance. And when they do have a little bit of an aggressive attack in the passing game and they're 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 healthy at receiver, this is where, you know, I've been a little bit hopeful of the Saints. The Saints have some things about them that I like to make me think, hey, they could have been competitive in the playoff conversation. It might be too late now, but this is one of the potential, you know, you know their run game and they can kind of control the line of scrimmage there. And then, you know, Andy Dalton and the offense looked like they cut it loose a little finally yesterday. It's one thing that bothers me about them. Just not enough playmaking in the passing game. And uh, they got that out of Chris Olave yesterday, that's for sure. 21 of 25 for Andy Dalton, 260 yards, three touchdowns. It was his first game with three or more touchdown passes and no interceptions since 2019 with the Bengals. So just when you're about ready to write off Andy Dalton, what are they doing? Put Jameis back in there. Maybe even Taysom Hill. Andy Dalton brings you right back. Yeah, and played a great game. He did. I mean, he really did. Big plays, was efficient. I mean, uh, that was one of those where, you know, at, when you saw Stafford go down and you went, oh, man, he's not back in, and then the Saints kind of you know, were hanging around, and they took the lead on the Landry pass down the middle. You're kind of like, well, they look like they're in total control of this game. I don't think they're going to be able to do much with Bryce Perkins at quarterback and, and mount a comeback, and you know, basically the Saints kind of kept their, their foot on their throat, and that was that in that football game. Yeah, it's a, it's a head-scratcher for the, for the Rams. It here. really is. It's, 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 it's rare that you see a team that went to the Super Bowl kind of no. just fall apart like this. So it's their worst start. They're 3-7 and seven since 20. 20- 
2011. That was the final year of Steve Spagnuolo. Wow. That right. was even before, before the, Jeff, the Fisher Jeff Fisher era. Right. So they have not been this bad to start a season in a long, long time. And you mentioned that. it's uh, Matt Casey was out here, and he was like, when is the last time a Super Bowl champ looked like this? Because a lot of times we do see it. It's not uncommon to see it with a team that loses to have that hangover, but for the champ. So Pete's done a pop quiz right well, here. Let's let me think here. Let me Who think. was the last Super Bowl champ to finish with a losing record the following season? I want to say. Don't look. I'm never going. I'm not looking. I'm not even in the documents here. I'm on NFL okay. Jesus. All right? Okay. all right. So I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm. All right. So right off the bat, and don't tell me. If, I mean, if I'm right, tell me if I'm right. But if I'm wrong, don't tell me the answer here. I'm going to say it's the 2016 Broncos after the 2015 Super Bowl win. I'm incorrect. incorrect. So they still they had a win. And we're going losing record. Losing record. Yes. Okay. Hold you know, on. Don't get. They were nine and oh, seven. Oh, so they the went nine year. and seven. Damn. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses there. Wow. I'm really choking my ass off here. I'm gonna say it's the 2006 Steelers. You Damn. Gotta go back three more years. Three more years. Is it the the Buccaneers? The 2003 Damn, Buccaneers. The team I was on. Famously drafted defensive end Dwayne White in yeah. the second round. Right. As Pete notes. Yes. Who'd they get in the third round? Did they get anyone in the third yeah, round then? Yeah, my man Dwayne White out of Louisville is my buddy. Uh, yeah, and then in the third round, they made the greatest pick in the history of the franchise. <laughs> Better than getting Brady in free agency or anything. Yeah. So you they were tr- part of history. You don't, you don't remember history. that. Yeah. Well, I fir- yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I didn't get there yet in my mind as I was cycling back through the years. <laughs> I think that would probably have been my next guess because, yes, I was there. And the teams that won it before Pittsburgh were in New England both times, and they never fell off there. So I, w- I would have got there eventually. So are there similarities with that team? No. And this team? No. Our, our team was like – it was. It was a lot. It was drama. It was more Super Bowl drama. Keyshawn, we released him in the middle of the year. We started – I mean, people were talking about us going undefeated. We had some crazy losses. Some losses where you were like, whoa, like, I mean, the Peyton Manning coming back from 21 points with four minutes left in the football game, that was against us, right? Uh, We had a game against the Carolina Panthers where they blocked two field goals and the extra point to win the game, right? I mean, we lost some games where you were just like, I I was sitting there on the sidelines that year going like, is this... The NFL, this shit is crazy. I mean, yeah. how the hell do you win a game in this league? I mean, I really was. It was it was an it was an amazing experience in a year, but yeah, it was uh, underwhelming and a lot of drama for sure. How many games you win that year? I think we were seven and nine, maybe seven and yeah. nine. You know, Rams might be lucky to win seven games. I know. So you might still have them there, right? Uh, not great. One more game to talk about. This one uh, was not great for the Bears, although they started out with a lead. Falcons came back and beat Chicago 27-24. to Your headline for this game is... Da feet. Da Falcons. Ah, Hurricane Dicka can't beat Hurricane Cordaro. <laughs> Absolutely right. We did see the Ditkas there. Oh, there they are. They were there. Look at that. A bachelor party of like, how many Ditkas is that? Wow, we didn't see know. this on the broadcast. Man. We're showing the Twitter picture of How much of do them. you hate those people right there? Uh, I hate those guys. Uh, each and every one of them. Each and 18, every one of them. 18 Ditkas. Ahmed doesn't hate anybody, but he hates anybody dressed in Chicago Ditkas. I stuff. hate the Bears, which is why it's bad because I kind of like Justin Fields. I know. You know, it's All like right. that's a, but I hate the Bears. Yeah. And so I have to hate Justin Fields. And I have to hate all those 
2019 Ditkas. And then afterwards, the Falcons tweeted this. They go, sorry for ruining your bear bachelor party because that's what they did. They came back and won. You mentioned Cordero Patterson had a 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, his ninth in his career, the most in NFL history, and that was a turning point. Falcons were down 10, then they were down three after that, and then edged out the Bears by three in the end. Well, he had fumbled the series before that to let the Bears go up 17-7, to and you're going, man, man, the Bears, they're, they're in control here. And uh, Atlanta... I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep pace. And, you know, Justin Fields was looking good. And you're just going, okay, here we go. And then he returns that kick. And you just go, oh, okay, all right, we're back in the game. And then they get a stop. And then they make a nice little clutch drive to get the field goal at the half. And, you know, then it kind of felt like they were in control of the game for for the second half of the game. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, hey, it was a coin flip type of football game. That Atlanta's very comfortable in this type of game. Yeah. You know, it's it's the Mike Vrabel in them. I feel like with Arthur Smith there, uh, but their run game. You know, it's a, they're again another one of those teams where the formula can't vary. If we get outside the formula, they get blown out or get dominated. But if we can run the ball right and you know and not make many mistakes and stop the run usually, then, hey, we can win the football game. Now, stopping the run wasn't easy in this one because this group in Chicago can really run it. But, yeah, good good win by the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and Justin Fields, as amazing as he was, man, it, yeah, another game where it took a lot of hits yeah. and uh, like him to, to be careful a little bit. Yeah, his fifth straight game with a touchdown pass and a rushing touchdown ties Kyler Murray for the longest streak in the Super Bowl era. But, yeah, he had to leave the game. With it looked like an injury, his shoulder, throwing shoulder, there, yeah, but right. didn't look great. Um, third straight loss by three points or fewer for the Bears. So they've been in these games. I give them credit, but uh, you're right. The Falcons figure out ways to win these games, and I yeah. think Arthur Smith's pretty good. Hey, uh, he does agreed. some creative stuff with yeah. not a whole lot of talent. No, it, it does. He he knows what they are, uh, and then they they just have a toughness about them to where yeah, as long as they're not too outclassed by the talent of the other team you go oh, they're gonna they're gonna hang in there and make it interesting because he's gonna have the proper game plan and he's in- incredible in situational football just like Mike Vrabel is uh so yeah another team that's you know not sexy and I, I don't imagine them being in the playoffs but you know they're one of these teams that's gonna hang around and be scary and probably upset a few teams playoff yeah. hopes as we go along here uh and it, it's really it is it's remarkable because you just look at it and go I don't really know what's, you know, there's no marquee thing to talk about with the football team. You know, the passing game is meh. Kyle Pitts almost got hurt yesterday. That was like the most scary thing for them. His knee got a little banged up. But, yeah, it's smash mouth and, um, you know, defense kind of just hangs in there and they found a way to get it done. And, and again, but, Chicago, yeah. I'm still excited about what I see in Chicago. Sure. And I do think they're building something that has a chance to be damn good in the future. Falcons are going to be the team that the final couple of weeks of the regular season, we have Steve Kornacki in the studio, and they're going to be the team that's still on the list. You're like, they still have a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, they're in the hunt. It's like, yeah. we haven't written them off yet. And I'm like, no, they, they it, it's, win out. They're a playoff team. It, it's amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I want to pull up their schedule just to kind of see what it looks see like here down the stretch. Happen. Washington this week. Ooh. Yep. Steelers oh. by week at Saints, at Ravens, Cardinals at home, Bucks. 
mean, yeah. Who knows? Kornacki, Kornacki early phases of being on the show. They're still on the hunt. I think at the end yeah. of this, at the end of the year, week seventeen or eighteen, he'll written them off. We'll be, they'll be out of there. And then, as Pete reminds me, they will be in requiem for a team. Oh, when we bury so they'll never the be dead. Playoff teams. They'll yeah, never they, be they're dead. dead then. They're and dead then. They, we revive them. Uh, and then you'll year. talk about their draft positioning and then bring <laughs> yeah. them back alive. Top pick power rankings. Yeah, we right. do all that for all the bad teams here. We got one more game to talk about, but we'll do that in our next segment. As I close, that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Almost got ahead of myself right now. How Hyundai almost like some of the lawyers were like, wait a second. Wait, no, you got to read closed, the fine print, Ahmed. You didn't close the you, segment. You, you wore the red pants for us today. We appreciate that. You went to the early bet MGM parlay preview, but now it is the appropriate time to do that. Monday Night Football, 49ers, Cardinals in Mexico. So the 49ers are favored by eight. You think the 49ers will win, but you don't think it will be by that many points. I don't. I don't. I think this is a a team that poses some problems. Here's the first thing. You, you've heard me say this. is Vance Joseph, to me, is one of the few guys in football that's been able to match wits with Shanahan and do some things on that side of the ball and with their personnel set and the speed of some of their second-level guys, Isaiah Simmons, Collins, Buda Baker down there a lot, and that to where they can, they can kind of – they don't have issues with, wait, well, this guy's going that way, this guy's going this way. They're, they're athletic enough and creative enough to have some answers for it. And then on the offensive side of the ball, the one thing they do too is, of course, they're in a spread. They spread out that – that defense of the the, uh, the the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers don't really play man-to-man a lot. So within that spread, it stress, stretches their zone out a little bit. And then if you have the Kyler Murray effect of him being able to run the ball, now that makes that guy playing the zone between the slot receiver and, oh, wait, I want to help out with the run, but i got to help out with the short passing game. It puts them in a little bit of a bind that way. So I have a hard time thinking that the 49ers are going to win by more than eight points. I like the Cardinals to cover this one all the way. I like the, the 49ers to win. I, I do, but uh, I do think the Cardinals do some things here that, that give the, the 49ers some issues. So when you made this pick, it was an eight-point spread. It has grown since has it? then. It wow. is now a 10-point spread. Hmm. So the 49ers are favored by 10. The line I wonder why. What's the reason for well, I think it's probably that. the Kyler Murray effect, right? If he doesn't play, Colt McCoy goes in there. Well, I mean. Might not drop off a cliff, though. They went 2-0 and with Colt McCoy against the 49ers last year. Yeah. You know, they, they, they kind of. Or I think maybe it was one and though. I think he only played the second game. They went two and zero against the 49ers, but McCoy only played in the second matchup. Okay. Uh, that that does not affect my decision at all. It really doesn't. Yeah, I know Kyler Murray's capable of doing more and explosive plays, but Cole McCoy can certainly run the offense. And if there's people open in that short passing game that we're talking about, and with DeAndre Hopkins back. You talked about we might get Hollywood Brown back tonight maybe. too. Maybe I right? think it's unlikely, but you know, but they're somewhat healthy on that side of the ball yeah. to where, yeah, I, I I have a hard time seeing that. I'm I'm really surprised to to see that that line went up to ten points. Here's the most important thing: if Arizona can cover, then you will sweep Florio in all your pick categories. Damn, this week. it's about time. I haven't I've been getting s- swept more than I've been doing the sweeping. 
The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000, Chris. So say you bet $100 on the Cardinals to win outright. If you win, you'll get $340, Ahmed, and maybe a new pair of red pants that you're wearing. Okay, But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets. Can never have too many red pants. No, you can't. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Wouldn't that be cool one day? We both show up with red pants. Mm. I think that'd be a cool moment in the pod. Yeah, you could have that one. That's up to you. <laughs> it's, all, it's all you there, Slugger. I've shown up with a shirt that you has your logo on it. Okay. You, you, you have a great, like, tan. Yeah. Yes. You're different. Red yes. does not look good at me. When have you ever seen me wear red? When I wear red, I turn red. <laughs> you, you, white people can't wear red. Like, yeah. I'm too white to wear red. Yeah, try it, though. One time, one time on a, the pod. Yeah. We'll do a bet. We'll make a bet. Well, maybe and if you be, lose, instead of kissing your feet, I'll wear I'll wear red. There pants. we go. I like that. <laughs> okay. I don't think we have anything. set no, up No, we don't for have anything set up. So all right, we'll figure something out. We got plenty of things down the stretch here. My one that I have to do right is call your dad the big effort to his face, right. but use the real word for it. Right. And curse for the first time on this pod, yeah. which I've never done. But the only way I do that is if the Rams make the playoffs, which we called a couple weeks ago when I bet Pete the Rams were still maybe favored to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was borderline. Now it's now it's looking very very unlikely. Yeah, well, you're not going to have to call him big effort. You're you're going to be safe. Have to make another bet. Then, yeah. All right. Well, we'll future. make some bets. We'll come up with it. I mean, we we certainly will. I mean, yep. we should have made a bet for Giants Lions, and you probably oh, could have won that. But you right. were you know sipping pina coladas and Turks that? and Caicos because you were in Turks and Caicos. You're right. And the week before that, you were with a bunch of horses' asses. <laughs> that's true. So he just have ditched me lately. Can't around. do anything. Yeah, that's true. Jeez. All right. Well, speaking of ditching, mm-hmm. I'm ditching Ahmed for the what? Wednesday pod. No, the hell with this right. guy. All right. We're not doing that. No, we got a little bit of a different schedule because of Thanksgiving this week. And um, so today you got this. Yep. Wednesday was just going to be the Picks podcast with Florio. We're actually going to do two different Picks podcasts too. We'll pick the three Thanksgiving Day games. So that'll be a standalone pod. And then we'll go and do a standalone pod for the rest of the games on Sunday. That'll be happening Wednesday. Um, so Ahmed... I'll give you the rest of the week off. Yes. Enjoy the week. All right. All right. Nice. All right. And we got Thanksgiving, which I'm excited for. Big day. We got the dog show on NBC. I yep. love Thanksgiving morning. I really am. Like parade. What? The do- the parade. And this is like one of my bonding days of the year with my daughter. Like we love to get up and sit on the couch, put the blanket on, and enjoy the parade into the dog show into, hey, turn off the dog show. The football game's on now. Okay. (laughs) Pete is written here, after the Thanksgiving Day Parade, don't just watch the Bills beat up on the Lions. At noon Eastern on NBC and Peacock, you can catch the national dog show presented by Purina. Yeah. It'll be on for a little bit, for sure. And then it'll go on to a secondary TV where, you know, the football will take over. But the dog show will be on in the Sims household because it's my mom, my daughter, they all love to kind of keep their eye on it. So it'll be on, like, the kitchen TV, you know, that's where I think that'll go. And then, the, you know, the main family room TV will be, you know, on the Lions Bills, which I'm really excited for. My favorite holiday of the year so right now. We're, we're going to let you behind the curtain. Yeah. This dog show's not live. This has been taped previously. Yes, right. Uh, recently. Right. Pete took his family to the event on Saturday. Wow. He says it was a spectacle. Yes. He said the kids got hopped up on candy. They pet some dogs, and the and he paid for it later. Yeah, well, so. that's what you have. And control your kids. Damn, don't act. Don't, don't act like a bunch of dogs. I mean, like a bunch of animals. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Pete, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sugar 
it is the the precursor to any parent's disaster of a night. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it doesn't usually. It go usually well doesn't there. usually doesn't end up so well. Pete's previewed it. Gave it a thumbs up, so yep. we'll all watch it on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, check it out. It's a good day on NBC, and, of course, that night on NBC will be Patriots-Vikings, which will be a great way to end your Thanksgiving. All right? So no Treasure Hunters, no What the Fuck Happened yep. Wednesday podcast. Ahmed, you the man. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Everybody out there, enjoy the Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Man, three great games that day. It's going to be phenomenal. Can't wait for that. Be safe out there, okay? Don't do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've had one too many, call Uber, call Lyft, call something. All right. It's not worth driving if you're a little tipsy. You know, let's enjoy the holidays. Let's not ruin the holidays for other family members. Be good out there. Peace out. Enjoy it. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.